Welcome to 5 Minutes of Courage with Maggie Arndt. This podcast focuses on God's Word, the Bible, and how much God loves you. Our goal is to show you throughout Scripture how loved and valued you are by the God of the universe. 5 Minutes is all you need to be filled with hope, joy, purpose, and yes, courage. Now here's your host, Maggie Arndt. Today is day three in the second chapter of the Gospel of John, and we're going to kind of just wrap up all of the stories and all of the things that we've learned the past few days. It started with the wedding at Cana, which we established was the first miracle ever performed publicly by Jesus. But let's back up for just a second, because when the Old Testament stopped, there was a 400-year gap from the very last page written by the prophet Malachi until the birth of Jesus, where not much happened. Really, pretty much nothing happened as far as God having his touch upon the earth before the birth of Jesus. And so the Gospel of John is known as the beginning of signs. And it's the first of seven signs that are that are known throughout John. There were more, but there are seven that are commonly known throughout the church, and we will touch upon them. So this is the first of seven. And each of the signs is designated to bring the reader to faith through Jesus. And John explained this purpose in John chapter 20, which we will get to in a few weeks. But it goes back to the ancient Greek word simeon, which I'm hoping I'm saying correctly. My Greek isn't flawless, but it's used 74 different times in the New Testament. And it's the English word for signs. So signs and wonders, miracles. So that word simeon is used 23. 23 um, out of the 74 total times, 23 of those are in John. So lots and lots of signs and wonders and miracles, and then we will hit on seven of the major ones. Most of the other signs, wonders, and miracles are in the other three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, with also some in Acts and a few in in Paul's letters. So going back to the wedding at Cana, um, there are a couple theories going around that we will debunk. One of the old traditions says that this was actually John the Gospel writer's wedding himself, and he left his bride at the altar after seeing the miracle. This is um, a fun story, but it's not true. And some have the idea that it could have even been Jesus's wedding. Um, that's kind of more of a new age thought, and this is also, again, not true. It, it would go against the meaning of the passage, and it's contrary to all of the all of the other gospel recordings of the life of Jesus. So it wasn't John's wedding, also not Jesus's wedding. Also, it mentions that Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there, but there's no mention of Joseph. Well, that explanation most probably is that quite by this time, Joseph was likely dead because it seemed like he died quite soon in Jesus's life. And the reason that Jesus spent 18 long years in Nazareth was that he needed to take it upon himself to support his mother and his family. And it was only when his younger brothers and sisters were able to look after himself, after themselves, excuse me, was that when he was able to leave home and made Capernaum his new hometown. So going back to the wedding, the servants were the only people other than the disciples who watched it happen who knew that a miracle had occurred. The faithful servants who did their work to the full knew the greatness of this miracle. The master of the feast only knew it was good wine. He didn't know it was a miracle. This knowledge was a special blessing saved just for the servants. 
And when they, the master said, you have kept the good wine until now, well, there is a principle behind these words. And the principle is for the people of God, meaning the best is yet to come. So a lot of meaning in these words. The next story that we came across was Jesus clearing the temple. And so a little backstory on that would be that about two and a quarter million Jews would often assemble in the holy city during the Feast of Passover because they needed to pay temple tax, which was the equivalent of about two days wages for a working man, but it had to be paid with a special temple coin. And this is why the money changers were doing so much business. And it wasn't so much that they were doing business that troubled Jesus, it was that they were taking advantage of the Jewish people and they were, they were creating a, a giant mess in the outskirts of the temple where the Gentiles were able to pray. The Gentiles were not permitted into the temple. So this was really the only place that they could go and worship. And so the money changers had taken over. They were robbing the, the good people who wanted to switch the coins because you had to use the special temple coins because regular coins usually were engraven with Roman emperors or pagan gods. And so those were not allowed inside the temple. So we next get to um, the, the end where they say um, that Jesus knows all about us. So at verse 23, because of the miraculous signs Jesus did in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration, many began to trust in him, right? So they, they liked seeing these miracles and signs that he could do. But Jesus didn't trust them because he knew all about people. No one needed to tell him about human nature, for he knew what was in each person's heart. What that means is that knowing what was and is in humanity, Jesus still loves. He knows the worst, and yet also sees the image of God in each one of us, the Imago Dei, even the fallen, which would all, all of us would be the fallen, the fallen men and women. And yet Jesus did not commit himself to them. Other leaders and teachers might have been misled at times into giving their followers more credit for loyalty and understanding them than they actually possess, but Jesus didn't. And the reason is, is because he can read the inmost thoughts of all men and women like an open book. Yes, I'm saying it. Jesus can read your mind. So even though people profess to follow him, he knew who really meant it and who really didn't and who thought of him more as a, a magician who could do cool things. And the same is true today. Jesus knows who has committed their life to him, who is a true follower. It's like the, the Kyle Eidelman book that I've referenced many times, fan or follower. Are you a fan of Jesus or are you a follower of Jesus? It's not bad to be a fan, but don't think that Jesus doesn't know the difference. Chapter two ends with the introduction of Nicodemus, which is going to come at the very beginning of chapter three. And just to give you a little hint what's going on at this point, Jesus was, his popularity had increased, but not everybody liked him. And so there was this man named Nicodemus who was very curious about talking to him, but he came to him at night. So before I see you next on Tuesday, we will have read chapter three of the Gospel of John. Be well. Thanks so much for listening today. Please subscribe to this podcast. I'd hate for you to miss out on even one minute of courage. Then share it with all your friends. 
If you'd like more information or would like to contact me directly, go to 5minutesofcourage.com. That's the number five, and you can connect with me there.